1: Living from a state of connection to our deepest self can help us to think, feel, speak, and act in more skillful ways. Individually, we can learn to trust our innate wisdom to overcome patterns of behavior that no longer serve us. This can help improve our relationships with family, friends, coworkers, and ripple out to our communities and the wider world around us. Valeria Tellas interviews Mike Jenkins The author of The Gift of the Present, How to Experience More Peace, Joy, and Happiness Through Present Moment Awareness, and Practicing Present Moment Awareness video series. Mike began exploring spiritual practice with a voracious zeal after a diagnosis of cancer at the age of 29. In 2010, he began to experience more profound changes in his perception of himself, others, and of life, and began writing about this on a blog. He has given talks in Leicester, Yorkshire, Lancaster, London, and Brighton, recorded dozens of videos on YouTube, was interviewed on the popular spiritual awakening video series, Buddha at the Gas Pump, and has written many articles and short ebooks. Mike currently hosts regular weekly and monthly present moment awareness group sessions on Zoom, offers private guided sessions for individuals, and shares articles, ebooks, and MP3 meditations on his website. Meet Mike at Heart of Here's the interview with Mike Jenkins.
0: My guest is Mike Jenkins. So, in your own words, who is Mike? and what is the purpose of your work mike first
2: of all it's really great to be joining with you and we should probably say as well that um when i first spoke to you on that first podcast interview that we did back in november we kind of had the idea for these conversations so we'll be talking you know about that as we go along so for anyone who doesn't know me my name's mike jenkins in 2010 i started writing a blog about my spiritual experiences And before that, I was seeking, very deliberately seeking for some kind of freedom actually from feelings. I think that's relevant to our conversation because the reason that I was seeking in that way, I wanted to be free from difficult feelings. I'd suffered in my 20s. I had um, some mental health problems when I was a student. My 20s were very difficult. I worked as hard as I could, but nothing ever really went Smoothly for me. Um, And in my late 20s and through my early 30s, I was dealing with a diagnosis of cancer. So those were years that were physically challenging, as well as emotionally and mentally and everything else. So, all of those experiences really, like they do for millions of people, you know, all around the world, we as humans, we don't seem to be able to avoid inevitable suffering. And some people suffer intensely. I mean, in ways that that you and I just can't contemplate and others suffer less so. But it does seem to be, like the Buddha says, life is suffering. There's no escape from that. Those years that I was writing the blog and going to teachers and reading hundreds of spiritual books and trying different spiritual techniques and well-being techniques. And so I was trying everything, but I realized that I was trying all of that because I wanted to feel less pain.
0: Mm. Yeah,
2: I wanted to feel free from either the feeling of wanting and craving, like, you know, that feeling that nothing's quite right, there's something missing, I've got to change my job, I've got to change my relationship, I've got to change... And my body, you know, I need more money, um, or I need less money, or I need to live in a different part of the world, or um, actually, it's nothing to do with me. Other people need to change, you know, my family, my mother, my children, my husband, my wife, they all need to change. You know, I'm fine. It's actually the politicians need to change. So, so whatever it is, we all experience discomfort, you know, on many different levels. And so, I think that for lots of people, that is where a spiritual search um, can begin. was. Much of that early experience for me, particularly with meditating as well, which we'll come on to, because that's really what I do at the moment, is I share present moment meditations with people. And I simply guide them and myself through a few short meditation techniques, rather, which lots of other teachers have shared. In particular, Eckhart Tolle um, talks about silence and stillness and space. And I use that a lot in my guided meditations And then I also talk about awareness of awareness. However, um, when I first started to encounter those teachings, I was listening to them from the point of view of, oh, yes, this is the key to freedom. And there was a part of like like our sort of egocentric you know, separate self listens in on that and, and it makes a deal with ourselves and says, yeah, well, if I put in all these hours of spiritual practice, if I go to that teacher, if I read that book, I will reach the, my idea of enlightenment, and usually that means i 'll feel better i won 't feel the things that make me feel bad, but I will feel the things that make me feel good, so i 'll feel more blissful and all that 's true we can experience all those things it 's just that, like you say, and I love the way you introduced it is that there actually is no escape for us mm-hmm. you know the job of um, being a divine spiritual being is happening here in our. Human bodies. This is where we work it all out. And I think that you're right, that is beautiful. Because in the end, we actually don't really want to be free from our human suffering. We actually just want to navigate it better. We want to rely on the deeper part of our being, the deeper aspect of who we are to dance with it, you know. So I think what I've found is that um, certainly through these practices, that there is an aspect of who we are. That is already perfectly okay with the hardest feelings. It's, it's already accepted them and it's not, it can't be, it can't be destroyed by them. It can't be hurt by them. And that ultimate aspect of who we are, divine emptiness, or we could call it emptiness, we could call it Buddha nature, we could call it the Tao, we could call it the now, we could call it anything, you know, non dual um, reality, pure potentiality. That can't actually die and it can't be born it just is you know so I think that's what's interesting about that journey for me is that I was seeking really to escape the feelings that were problematic for me but the irony is the only escape really is right into them Mm. we were talking about that so it's actually okay yes it's okay to feel all this stuff Mm. because it's not actually just me that feels it. Mm -hmm. There is something more here than just me. There is non-dual reality. There is Buddha nature. There is silence. There's not only feelings here. There's also the consciousness that is aware of the feelings, which means that there is awareness and feelings. They're appearing together and disappearing. Mm -hmm. And somehow, when Mm -hmm. we experience that in our bodies and we feel it, it seems to actually heal and make those experiences easier to bear.
0: So what would you say for those who they are in the midst of their suffering and they are embracing every feeling as if they were not just real, because they are real, they but are real, um, yeah. even for me, like I have this understanding, which seems to be an ongoing kind of deepening experience, mm-hmm. right? My yeah case. It's not a destination. What would you tell them, like in this moment? Yeah, what would be your offering?
2: Yeah, if I was, you know, face-to-face with someone and they were sharing something that they were feeling, obviously it would depend on the context and what's actually happening. So in some instances, I don't know, you know. I mean, if I was faced with somebody who was in the street and they were, um, it was a very severe, like they were injured or, you know, you're in a... In a way, those are kind of theoretical. You don't know how you're going to react until in the moment. However, if someone's saying to me, look, you know, I just can't cope with these feelings. I mean, that's quite a common experience in our modern world. We feel overwhelmed. You know, we've all experienced kind of simultaneous experiences of feeling overwhelmed, confused, um, uncertain with the experience of the pandemic. But, you know, those feelings are quite common to us anyway. You know, we felt them during childhood. So I think the main thing I would say is, that's okay, first of all. Is it okay to feel like that? Who says that you're not allowed to feel like that? It's okay to feel that way. And secondly, is there something here in your own experience that is aware of how you feel? And therefore, is that awareness suffering in that way? So first of all, I might say, well, what is it? You know, name the feeling.
0: So yeah. explore it.
2: You know, what's yes. it look like? Witness it. Look at it. Is it um, fluttering anxiety? Has it got a shape? You know, what might you call it? You know, it's, it's nervousness or it's um, a fear or panic or I just can't drop certain. Well, there might be thoughts that come up, repetitive, whatever it is. But after a while, we can notice that we have the ability to stand outside of it and to name it, observe it, look at it. So really, it's about coming to recognise that there's a part of you and a part of me that can see what we're feeling can witness it can be aware of it and if we spend more time simply just looking at our ability to be aware which Mm. is why I take people through silence meditation because that's not so wordy and and you know we can just say oh listen and in that listening there's usually a feeling as well just dropping down a, a sense of just being here breathing the feeling of the body just sensation of here and now. And so, what I think I have found helpful is to make the connection that that vast empty space or pure silence, which seems to be able to hold anything, I think it's the same dimension as our awareness. Or it certainly seems to have very similar characteristics because anything seems to be free to come and to go in silence. Mm-hmm. So, in the silence, we can make lovely sounds, beautiful choirs, nice music, and we can make unpleasant sounds, the sound of cars screeching or sirens. They seem to be free to come and go. The silence itself doesn't seem to be marked by those Mm. sounds. It seems actually completely just as it was before they came and after they've gone. I try and point people, and this is only because it's worked for me and it's there are lots and lots of really great writers who probably do this far better than me and some great teachers, but in a way it's like, we can understand it conceptually, but when we feel and we know it, we know it by being it, it's like it's something drops. We start to realize we become more and more trusting and familiar with the fact that, oh, right, actually, it never really goes anywhere. That awareness, I mean, we call it awareness, it's really simply there's something in our own conscious experience of this moment that is at the same time. Experiencing what we feel and simultaneously free in it. Mm. Like you say, it's freedom in all these things. There's a sense of, well, the core of what I am isn't actually suffering, Mm. it's witnessing the suffering. Mm. And so somehow that's freer and seems more manageable than, well, all there is here is just this pain and suffering, which. For some people that is their experience and we can't deny it that's just how they're experiencing reality at that moment and but we all know that we've most almost everybody i've ever met has had those moments when the only thing they're aware of is intense you know, restriction or suffering or pain and so that's our reality in that moment and those moments are horrible we've all had them and then as our grandmothers said to us time is a great healer give it some space give it some time it seems to be that these dimensions that aren't really very you know, the dimension of space is not particularly esoteric. It's in every room we're in, you know, the mm. space around, the space around the objects, outside of the room. It's actually very ordinary.
0: I love the way you describe that. The first thing that caught my attention in your teachings when we talked for the first time, it was the silence when it described yeah. When you use silence as a metaphor for consciousness, for this um, undescribable, nameless reality that we can't access, but at the same time, we can't. It's such a beautiful paradox. So what I wonder is that, is that because of the body, Mike, that we have this, the experience of time and space and also the fear, there's a lot of fear that comes with the attachment to the body, right? That this idea that we are the body. So would you say that the anchor to this reality that it's not real per se would be the body and fear is the, um, let's say, the carrier of the reality that keeps Kind of perpetuating itself. From what I heard, it keeps coming back in a sense of in mean, a new body, mind continuation, and all. So, is that the reason why this reality exists? Because we are not ending fear here now. When-
2: I'm not sure. I, I don't actually know. Um, I'm not. I don't know the answer to that. Um, but I, what I do know is that fear comes and goes. Right, and It's part of the deal. It comes and goes, and so. The important thing to hear there is that it it goes, yeah, <laughs> you know? and it seems to be that. So yeah, maybe the sense of being, you know, solid. We're in our bodies. You know, what I do think is that our kind of practiced conditioning of the actual practice of being a separate, egocentric self. Mm. You know, I mean, egocentricity is I think best described as the ex- the feeling experience of feeling that I am at the centre of the world. Um, it's egocentricity. It's at the center. So the feeling of I'm at the center of the world and everything is happening around me. Right. That seems that when we act from that perspective, mm-hmm. we do act from fear. Because if I'm here and the world's happening around me, then it's happening to me. Right. And it's like I've got to control it, I've got to manage it. Like it's it's all ha- whereas I think when we simply listen to this moment, when we stop thinking, I mean, another way to another way that people practice this with particular techniques of mantras or ways to just calm, to just allow the mind to like quieten down, then we seem to sort of merge with the now. We seem to realise we may not even notice it. I mean, I think most people spend quite a bit of time in present moment awareness. They're simply just not consciously aware, but they are experiencing the benefits you know because they're more relaxed, riding a bike, doing the dishes, driving a cart, walking, staring out the window, you know listening to music, daydreaming you're kind of in you've in those moments you've stopped thinking so much, you're just being you know you're just bumbling along, you know, and so therefore your body's more relaxed, you benefit from all of that much more, like when we sleep at night, you know when we're in that deep or dream state or, or deep sleep, then we're benefiting from no longer feeling like we're this tight ball of stuff at the centre of the universe.
0: Right.
2: So I think it's certainly something to do with that, that simply mm-hmm. noticing that we're appearing alongside the silence and that everything's happening now, it can have the, the um, effect, I think, of decentralising and dislodging egocentricity, so that we actually start to recognise, well, I'm not the centre of the universe, actually. And that's quite an intelligent way to live because then we're in more, Communion with those around us. We're more in touch with spiritual wisdom. So yeah, I think that that it's related. That feeling of constriction and you know and time. Actually, I mean, I suppose it is because when we're lost in a daydream or we're sitting in silence and we're just very still, our perception of time changes. I uh, you know? yeah. so, like we all have that experience, don't we? That when there's not very much happening five minutes can seem like a really long time. But it seems to be when there's lots of things happening in a short space of time, and there's probably a very good physics answer to it, or so, I don't know, but <laughs> there's that phrase, a week is a long time in politics. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I think that's <laughs> because so much happens, so yeah. many big events happen yeah. in the political world in one week. It seems like it's a year's gone by. And these days, it's like times a million I think that our perception of time does change based on our point of focus. So in a way,
0: I think you're right. I'm just not sure I can describe it very well. Yeah, Yeah. thank you for your honesty. (laughs) This idea of freedom, is that something that is a, it's a practice? It sounds like it's a practice to me. Well, maybe. I
2: mean, yeah, maybe it is. Um, But again, it depends what we mean by the word practice, you know, I mean, it's essentially something we do over and over again. I guess I would describe freedom as just something that is, that is, that's happening. You mm. know, it seems to be that freedom is what's happening when we're not doing very much.
0: Right.
2: Like it's just, it just is.
0: Mm, everything is free already.
2: Yeah. Almost like, you know, you could describe that primary identity of ourselves, you know, that what we are before we're a body is freedom. Um, and so therefore, there must be an aspect of us that is also freedom. So I might say that freedom is taking form in this moment as mike and as valeria it's taking form as all the objects freedom's doing that simultaneously all at once right now it's almost like freedom is what is and we are appearing and disappearing in that freedom
0: what comes to you as a, as an answer what insights have you gained into um why this is Because it doesn't have to be, right? The conditioned body and mind that is not free, but the aspects of us that are not free. Do you ever ask that question? Like, how did this come to be? Why this is? Why the the conditionings are?
2: Well, I have asked that question, and we can come up with different theories. (laughs) True. (laughs) And different, different kind of ideas about it. I think ultimately we can't really know. We might say, you know, what, you know, it's a bit like, why is anything happening at all? You know, why does, you know, emptiness turn up as universes and create? It's like, well, one theory might be that it's just another way to play the creation to play. You know, it seems that, you know, I mean, there are other people that might say, you know, the humans are having this experience in order to expand reality you know and then all of it is really an experiment in evolution but it seems it can also be an experiment in devolution it doesn't necessarily have to go one way so i don't think it's wrong to have theories or ideas about that i just sort of think well if it's helpful i find it interesting to talk about it's like metaphysics really exactly. is fascinating but in a way it's like um communing with um the spirit world or manifesting or it's like, well, we can do all that, but, you know, is it serving us mm. right now? You know, um, is it actually, is it, is that any different to mm. uh, playing cricket or watching yeah. Netflix? You know, I mean, it's like, is it serving us right now? And, and some of that is. Mm. Some of those activities are of great service to us and to others. Okay. And some of them, I think, can be just as much a distraction as worrying about what the stock market's doing or, you know, thinking, you know, is my hair looking all right? You know, it's like, some of it can be a distraction, I think, you know, and and some of it isn't.
0: (laughs) That's a a very good answer. So it's, uh, to ask those big questions, they are very entertaining to me. Like, I love reflecting upon them and having conversations. I love that, for some reason. When it it goes back to the idea of freedom related to conditionings, then has to do with practice, being in the moment, which takes Practice and it takes—that's another paradox because it takes effort, right, Mike?
2: Yeah, I think you could say that. On the one hand, it does take effort; it does take an an intention, if you like. Right. The paradox is, is that it might take an intention for us to just stop and look. But funnily enough, when we just stop and we're just being, that's effortless. You know, when we just notice that, well, perhaps what I want or need is it already happening? Is it already here? It seems that that's the moment when we realise, oh, well, that itself didn't take any effort at all, because it's already happening. <laughs> so it is a paradox. But, you know, it's like we were saying last time, we do practice things in our daily life. If you think of practice as just something you do over and over again, you know, I mean, I, I still have plenty of bad habits that I do over and over again. And they're not necessarily very good for me. But, you know, i just got into the habit of repeating them. Whereas I do, there are certain ways of thinking and being that I don't do so much anymore. So therefore I don't have the negative effects of them, you know? So for example, my response to anxiety or fear is different now than it was when I was in my twenties, you know? So I kind of rely on a kind of deeper wisdom, which I don't really think of as my wisdom, you know, it's like, well, if it was down to me, I'd probably screw it up. <laughs> you know, but actually, I recognize that there's an aspect of me that is, you know, an aspect of you and me that's that knows far better than I do. You mm. know? And there are times, I mean, I grew up in a, not a very strict Catholic family, but I did grow up with being taught about God and Jesus and the Bible and went to a, a school where we, we went to mass each week, you know. So I did grow up with that. So sometimes it feels comfortable for me to ask God, you know, or ask Jesus or and so I've got Buddha statues in my home. I seek the guidance of Buddha or I ask archangels, you know, I might I might ask a dead relative to guide me in any moment. Those things feel comfortable to me. But then it's like, well, if that's so you know, I'd say to others, if that feels meaningful to you, then then do that, you know, because there seems to be actually a relief when we're like, oh actually Mm -hmm. Yeah. Thank God it's not all down to me, you know, because it allows us to be fallible and human, accepting that if I alone, you know, can't handle a lot of the difficulty. of Um... But actually, these years of practice, and the reason I say coming returning to it is because when I first noticed this, it felt really powerful in the moment. But then I'd get sucked back into... Identifying too much with suffering, too much with my ideas about things and my stories about things, and and getting trapped in it, and and then reacting to it. This is a nightmare. This is a nightmare. Why won't it ever get better? You know, when's it going to improve? So I I kept realizing, I kept thinking, well, how can it be really free one minute and then the next minute? And I think it was simply because I kept forgetting. Yeah, I kept forgetting that. uh, Well, hang on a minute. Actually, Mm -hmm. maybe it's more okay than I think. You know, you know, I just do it whenever I get lost right. and I still get lost in thought and feeling now, you know, it's, think it's really hard not to, that we're all part of this. The teacher Adyashanti has a brilliant phrase where he talks about the vortex of suffering.
0: Mm.
2: And, he says, and sometimes that vortex can turn so powerfully on a planet, you know, in, on our planet that actually even really, really practiced meditators and people who are really skilled at uh-huh. staying can get caught up in that because collectively, You know, we're all here together. I think it's quite comforting to hear that because we can so often think that we're not doing so well because, oh, you know, I still get caught up in feelings. Well, actually,
0: yeah, but that's all right because we're still in a body. (laughs) right and everything's connected as you said there's this interconnectedness Ah, you said something powerful the idea of control that we have control of our own lives that we are here doing this alone and is that uh part of that egocentric kind of reality where we are we are in the center of the world and everything's happening
2: around us i think so and it's also you know it's the human story it's the human condition you know it's like it's not such a radical idea, you know, I mean, most people would actually prefer to believe that yeah. than to, to believe that they're not in control, you know, yeah. that's fine. That's where those people are at that time. You know, I think if most of us went to our, our doctor or our clinician and, and said, you know, I actually feel fine because I realised that I'm not in control of anything, mm. the doctor might go, are you sure you're all right? <laughs> but then you can go to a priest and say that and say, oh, I feel such a relief because, It's not down to me. The priest will say, that's wonderful because it's down to God. So so much of this is just about paradigms and language and Mm -hmm. context. And, you know, for me, what I think is the most important thing at this stage in my experience and why I think it's so good that you're doing this series of conversations about the freedom to feel is that, like, it's okay for us to be Mm. a human mess. You know, we put so much pressure on ourselves as people to be perfect, to you know, to do all the right things, and it's like, well, you know, it's okay to suffer, to get it wrong. It's okay to be confused or frightened. You know, in the same way that we would say to children, like a good kind of yeah. nurturing parent would say, well, that's all right. It's okay.
0: Yeah, it doesn't
2: matter. The feelings will go away. You don't need. It's all right. You that's know, it's true. It's like it's almost like that. That's the feeling I get from silence. Mm-hmm. I sit in silence. I notice space, it's got that free aspect of, you know, the ability to stand back and witness. But the deeper part of it is really very, very loving.
0: Yeah, it's true.
2: You know, it's unconditionally accepting, it's unconditionally loving. And it kind of it's just seems to c- consistently exude. It's okay, there's nothing I can't hold for you. Mm. There's nothing that can harm me. And that's kind of really, I think it's healthy. I think it's, when we can begin to feel you know, love in ourselves, in our body, we can feel the emotion, the movement, the mo- you know, the, dis- emo- the word emotion, I think means disturbance, but actually when we feel lovely feelings, like when we put our arms around someone we love, yeah. or we stroke a pet, you know, science already knows that chemically, yeah. you know, in terms of our nervous system, it's really healthy. And so, you know, we've all spent such a lot of time feeling isolated, and the reason I started sharing these on Zoom is because I wanted to connect with others in that field of connected, open, unconditional now, acceptance, love. That's not the love that preferences or decides, mm-hmm. you know, like you know, I approve of. It's like the love that just kind of allows all of this stuff to be
0: We're almost at the end. Wow, you went by really fast. Another question I have for you is about meditation. Can the practice of meditation happen in motion, like some call it active meditation?
2: I think it can. My teacher who taught me much of what I know was um, a teacher called Frances Bennett, and she sadly passed away in um, January. But she said, and I think many other teachers would say, surrender, allowing things to be flowing through life, Surrender is meditation in action.
0: Ah, wow!
2: So we can have formal meditation practice where we are, in a way, we're sharpening our skills to recognize Mm. unconditional openness, or we're recognizing witness consciousness. Wow! We can deliberately sit and go, okay, so today I'm going to sit for ten minutes, and I'm just going to notice and just going to listen to silence. In a way, we're developing our familiarity we're we're returning again and again and again Mm. so it's almost like we sharpen our skills in that way Mm. so that when we go out into the world and we come across a situation which would be very much you know aided by an open-hearted approach theory goes that you practice enough that then it becomes the most obvious way to respond a bit like um if you practice self-defense you go to classes and you practice self-defense those movements in your body you've got the physical memory in your body so that then life is our meditation Mm. That that actually life is the meditation and some teachers say i think this is a wonderful phrase of saying it that we can realize that life is meditating we are life's meditation
0: Mm.
2: we are the meditation of god it's just being itself through us you know which is that's really lovely when we feel the reality of that it's mind-blowing it's a wow yeah what a great thing that, that life's meditating by being all of this. Right. We are life's meditation. The world is life's meditation. So in that sense, I think, it, yeah, we can take that practice into the world. And then it's just our way of being. We're just being that way. And I think that something that naturally then arises from you know, surrender, I like to call it surrender, but we could call it allowing wisdom to flow, I think then all of those great qualities that are in all of the brilliant spiritual traditions of compassion and kindness and forgiveness and expressions of love and care and and all of that sort of thing, they seem to arise naturally from that state. So if we encounter somebody that's suffering, our compassionate heart feels called to assist in some way to help, to heal, to
0: reach out. What a beautiful message. Talk to me a bit more about surrender, and and you just actually mentioned the signs. We are dancing that dance with life, emerged back into this uh, wow, this natural stream, natural way of being. Then kindness, love, everything that is considered good, kind of arises. So, but is that something that can be measured? In the sense of, um, do we look for that confirmation from the external world? Or this is something that we all know we have that knowledge within and it doesn't have to be shown or if you know what I'm trying to say. If we just pay attention to what's happening right
2: now. So turn your attention to your breath, just entering and leaving your body. The feeling and sensation of sitting on the chair. Thoughts coming and going, feelings in the body, images, the sound of my voice, the silence. Maybe there's a ticking clock or a plane overhead or a dog barking, whatever it is, just noticing what's happening now. It's all coming and going. There's an aspect of this moment that is already completely surrendered. It's completely open. Mm -hmm. It's not the moment itself isn't holding on, doesn't need to. So the breath is coming and going. Thoughts are coming and going. Nothing in our kind of relative experience is stays the same. It's all in constant flow. You know, some of it's fast, some of it's slow you know the rock in the garden you know or the a solid piece of rock a solid mountain is moving much much slower than the particles in the air but it's you know or dust motes or whatever it's but it's still geologically speaking i think it's it's moving it's the atoms inside of it so there's nothing that's not freely flowing mm-hmm. and so that's what we can feel and sense that openness that clear, empty space, that's surrendered. It's open. It's not holding on. So it's beyond really our concepts of surrender or resistance. It's like, well, is there an aspect of this moment that's already completely open and surrendered? doesn't necessarily mean, I think the concept of surrender we think of as I've got to give up. Right. I've got to do that. I've got to give up. I've got to lay down. But actually, it might mean that we stand up and we fight. Mm. That might be surrender. Because what's happening is that there's an aspect of this moment that is allowing everything to come and go. So it might mean that surrender for some people might mean we surrender our passivity. (laughs) We surrender the patterns of letting people walk all over us. Mm we might that might that might be something that we drop in in our own development or our own understanding you know so
0: how interesting how we try to find the truth we try to find the answers and everything it's here it's here now it was never hidden in the first place yeah thank you so much mike
2: well, thank you. And can I just say thank you so much for organising this. For anyone watching on live or on the replay, there's a lot of work that goes into this and Valerie has done all of that. So I'm very, very grateful for you for the opportunity to talk to you and to share this with your subscribers and with on your channels. And I'm just so glad that we met and, and we've had these exchanges. It's been really, really nice. Yeah. It's, been, it's been great for me because I've needed to let go of the part of myself that says, oh, I can't do that. You know, who am I to go out there and tell people about things? You know, my life's a complete mess. Why would anyone
0: listen to me? <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. I love your message. I love, love your message. It really touched me the day we met and you talked about silence and it was was felt in a profound way. And that's why you're my first guest (laughs) with this live conversation. You came to me strongly. So thank you. And as for your appreciation, the body appreciates. The body really loves hearing that because it's the only part that sometimes complains. Nothing else. (laughs) And I do have a last question for you, Mike. What is one message from our conversation that you wish everyone to understand and to take with them for the rest of their lives?
2: I think that would be, there is something here, there is a part of you, there is an aspect of your own being that can hold all the things you think you can't and that can face all the things that you feel you can't. There's an aspect of who you are that is already free.
0: What is the best way to be in touch with you to find more about your work and your offerings, your services? Besides the Fit for Joy, of course, website. Besides,
2: yes, absolutely. yeah. Um, So um, you can read, the best way really is through my website, which is heartofpresence.co.uk. So if you visit that, you can see what I'm doing generally in terms of events or or Zoom meetings. I'm also on Facebook. I think the Facebook page is Heart of Presence. And in particular, at the moment, I'm really keen to share with people my four-part video series, which for some people may be more um, practical than coming along to the live zoom events you know so the four practices that I tend to share with people either on a, I do a, a weekly meeting group with, with some people here in the UK I've shared in person recently at some live events and once a month if anyone wants to come along and experience this guided practice then you can come along on the first Tuesday of every month at 7pm UK time that's free to join the link is on my website But if anyone wants to to, to start exploring this practice, then you can purchase the video course. And I go through each video is about maybe 40, 35, 40 minutes long. And I go through those practices in depth, silence, space, stillness, and awareness of awareness. And people then can go at their own pace. They can play it back. and, and, And I just suggest to people, do it whenever you've got time. And also, once you've watched the videos or you've been to one of the meetings, then do it when you're sitting, listening to people, sitting on the train, drinking your coffee, you know, walking in the park. Just bring that, it's a perspective, really. I think it's a shift in perspective. And that shift from the perspective of egocentricity to the perspective of pure, open-hearted awareness, that shift seems to bring about a change in the way we perceive ourselves, a change in the way that we perceive suffering and life, that is just altogether different to what goes before, which is usually much more pain and resistance and therefore suffering for everybody, not just us individually, but just look at the world.
0: So true. I love your work. Thank you so much, Mike, for doing what you do.
2: Thank you. And thank you for arranging it. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye, everyone.
1: Thank you for listening. To learn more about Mike Jenkins and his work, please visit heartofpresence.co.uk. Also, practice present moment awareness and reconnect with the freedom to feel in your own time and at your own pace with Mike's four part video series for a limited time only. Fit for Joy is offering a 30% discount. Simply enter Fit for Joy 0522. Click Validate and your discount will be applied. heartofpresence.co.uk backslash video dash series.
0: To learn more about this podcast, please visit fitforjoy.org slash podcast. Thank you again for listening and bye for now.